Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today on episode 318. We've got another great show for you today as we are continuing our awesome series highlighting student success stories from here within the Speaker Lab. Now, so far, we've heard from five incredible students. And if you've missed any of those, make sure you go back, you check them out. But for now, don't go anywhere. Today, I'm joined by my friend Jay Israel Green for a really insightful conversation on how to speak on cultural diversity and inclusion. So imagine you're a business owner, which as a speaker, you are. Who do you call if you're dealing with low employee engagement or stalled sales or poor leadership? You, you call Israel. And through his workshops, consulting, he helps companies develop their leaders and transform their cultures. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, when and why he made the jump to a speaking career and how booked and paid to speak uh, network and speakers he's met within the program has actually generated over $20,000 for him in his business so far. This is a really good conversation. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So let's jump in. Here's my conversation with Jay Israel Green. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by a student uh, from Booked and Paid to Speak here at the Speaker Lab, Mr. Israel Green. Israel, thanks for uh, joining us today. How's your day hey, going? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Day is great, above ground. So you're good. making it. You're making it. We're recording this still in the thick of this weird world that we're in. I don't know how long we're going to be saying that, but I feel like it's been a minute and it may continue to be a minute. So. Uh, so first of all, we're, we're going to go back in just a second and kind of talk about your story and journey, but can you give us some type of snapshot today as it stands? Again, I know we're in the thick of, of COVID, so all things are up in the air at the moment, but uh, who do you speak to? What do you speak about? How much speaking are you doing? Like, How, do, how does speaking fit into your world right now? Yep, absolutely. Um, so I, I am still speaking primarily virtually, obviously, um, but I do more so workshops in companies and more consulting in companies. Um, as of right now. And so I speak to primarily tech companies. My big focus is on leadership development and diversity, equity, and inclusion in organizations. Okay. So I come into companies that are struggling with company culture issues and they manifest manifest its ways itself in many ways, such as low employee engagement, um, stalled sales, poor leadership, all these different things. And I come in and kind of help them transform that company culture. So within corporations, is there any specific vertical that you try to focus on or, or is it just kind of any type of corporation or how, do you, how did you land there? Um, a lot of it will bleed over, but I really focus a lot on tech companies. Okay. Um, and the reason being is that these companies are moving so rapidly that they can't, they don't have time to address the needs of the organization. So yeah. they're changing engine mid-flight and they're not putting the correct processes in place or the training or developing their talent or attracting the right talent, which is where the diversity component of things come in. Gotcha, very cool. Um, now, are you speaking full time, like between the speaking and the consulting, um, are, you, are you doing this full time or is this something that's still on the side as you're building up or where does that stand? 
I am full time. Um, cool. It's you know it's it's a blessing and and a curse with this yeah. year, but um, I'm hanging in there, and you know I've got a couple of big proposals out. So, do yeah. you between speaking and, and consulting, would, do you have like a rough idea of just percentage of where you spend your time, and then revenue wise, is more coming from speaking, is more coming from from consulting? I'm assuming they kind of work hand in hand. That uh, speaking as lead generation for the consulting. Um, so how do how do the two kind of blend together? Yeah, absolutely. So whenever I'm speaking from the stage, usually what I will try to do is drop some nuggets from the component of the consulting to Mm -hmm. let people know, hey, you know, I have this piece of the business. Um, So I've got my business drilled down in a couple of different sectors. Um, But in terms of, I guess, the ratio, I would say probably 40% of the activity is from the consulting. However, the majority of the revenue is from consulting because those contracts are much larger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the li- but the majority of the leads are coming from your speaking gigs. Absolutely. Yeah. So so is the primary goal for you with speaking for lead generation for the consulting side of the business? It is now, um, and it wasn't originally. But it's. I mean, I may come into an organization, and I'm still on the relatively low end of the speaking scale in terms of fees. Mm-hmm. Um, so I come in, and I'll either facilitate a workshop at a conference or a breakout session. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big keynote speaker, so I'm not demanding a lot of the the. Um, the money that some big keynote speakers are. Mm -hmm. I would much rather come in, do a workshop a little bit more intimate with 50 people. And then they're lined up after the fact and I'm dropping nuggets throughout and they're like, Hey, do you come to Kentucky? Do you come to Alabama? Absolutely. I'll go wherever a plane will take me. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, how long have you been full time now? And then also just for context sake, like how long have you kind of been uh, building your speaking and, and consulting business? Yeah. Um, so I started speaking just a bit before I, I got in the program, which was a little bit over three years ago, I think. At this okay. point. Um, and I left corporate in August of last year. So it's coming up right at a year right now, actually. Very cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And what were you what were you doing before in corporate? Um, I was um, uh, ran a global organization um, for an e-commerce consulting firm. Okay. Um, so I had teams over in Ukraine, um, all of Europe, um, up in Montreal and basically was managed services. So I would, as a leader of that organization. Okay. Gotcha. And so if we go back in time, you're in Chicago now, did you grow up in Chicago? You from there? No, no. Um, I've been here off and on for about, about to tell my age, 18 years now. Okay. Um, I grew up originally in Kentucky. Okay. Very cool. Uh, And so growing up, like, did you, did you always want to be a speaker? Were you interested in speaking? Like at what point did something flip a switch for your like, Speaking seems cool. Let's, let's do some of that. Like where, where did that come into play? Yeah. You know, um, I didn't want to always be a speaker. I wanted to be an actor. Um, so I was doing a lot of acting, um, in high school and college. I um, started doing professional acting, launched a, a production company here in Chicago, um, won a couple of awards for that. Oh, cool. And it's funny because a good friend of mine, his dad would always call me speaker of the house. Um, and it wasn't because I'm, and I guess he just like, associated the acting component of things with me being on stage, being in front of an audience, but it wasn't something that I always wanted to do. I just found that there was a philosophy that I developed over time um, and it corresponded with what I was doing. It was about the leadership component of things. Um, And I found myself making a lot of mistakes, but moving up the ranks quickly and then banging my head up against the wall. And I thought my philosophy is that no leadership, like their influence doesn't matter. So that's why I go into organizations And on the flip side of that coin, no employee should feel like they have to go into a job that they hate day in and day out and spend 50 plus hours a week. So I'm able to influence that by going into those companies. 
So when you were, uh, you're doing on like the acting side of things, did you see like, uh, like I could see speaking in some ways being a a parallel type of track in some ways, you know? So were you starting to see that, Hey, I could take some of the acting skills that I've learned and they would transfer over here to, uh, to speaking and, and I could but potentially make more speaking. And so like, how did the transition go from I'm an actor to I'm a speaker? Yeah, um, not potentially make more, definitely make more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The transition was really about figuring out the passion and the purpose of what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, And I I know that, you know, you mentioned this in the book and in the course, but at the time I was really passionate about helping youth, especially underserved communities. Um, So I would come in there and I would share my story um, and being on stage, it's like, okay, well, how, you know, how do you move? How do you address the audience? What's the most impactful thing? So I take a lot of what I've learned in acting, um, in terms of motivation, when to move, who to address, um, things like that, the, you know, breathing exercises, um, mm-hmm. bounce my wall, my voice off the back of the wall, making sure that, you know, I I'm heard all those different things kind of feed into it. But in terms of the messaging, it was really about understanding the power in my story and empowering others to share their story. So where does that, like, where does that part come from? Because there's a lot of different things that you could, you could talk about. So, uh, I guess what, again, I'm trying to get at is like, all right, I'm doing some acting. I see more opportunity and or some opportunity in speaking to potentially make more, but you are, you are in a spot where so many speakers find themselves of, I like speaking. This seems intriguing. I'd like to explore it. I'd like to do more. I just don't know what I don't know and I don't know what to do next. So how do you figure out like, who do you speak to and how do you, how do you find gigs and what do you speak about? And even like, do you remember like what the, maybe the first gig was that you did? Um, man, it's evolved over time. Um, like, I, like I said, it was about helping youth um, eventually. Yeah. And then it evolved to, you know, I think I can make some money at this thing. Um, and it was like maybe 500 here or a thousand dollars there. Um, and there's some organizations that I will speak to for free, regardless of how big I ever get. Um, mm-hmm. it's just because I'm passionate about what they represent. Yeah. Um, but it was really about sharing my story and finally understanding that there's power in my story and that people can benefit from hearing my story. Um, and you know, it stems from, you know, the greatest lessons I've learned about leadership. I've learned through going through being abandoned at birth, going through the adoption process, finding my birth family. So these are all stories that I incorporate into um, when I'm on the stage, whether it be a workshop or if I'm doing a main presentation. Um, But it was really about speaking to students originally. And then I migrated over to the leadership when I started doing a lot more in corporate. Mm -hmm. And that's really kind of where I've landed. Um, And obviously there's a scale to this thing as well. I make more money in corporations, obviously, and conferences versus speaking to students at a high school or college. Yeah. So it sounds like whenever you first started speaking to students, it was just kind of, this is just kind of fun. I want to give back. I want to help. If I make a a couple bucks, that's a win. Um, But it was more just out of a kind of a a passion project, so to speak. Is that fair? Absolutely. So at what point are you transitioning to realize I'm, I'm a decent speaker. Like, I think there's something here. I want to do more of this, but again, it kind of comes back to uh, how do you figure out who do you speak to? What do you speak about? And you, you know, there's a lot of people who may be in a similar spot of, um, I have some type of story or I know for me personally, like I felt like I didn't have any story. So I didn't feel like, well, you got to have a story in order to get booked and now, you know, we can debate that. But, um, but how do you start to make the transition from I'm doing this for fun. And if I make a couple bucks, it's awesome to, I want to make this a business and I want to make a, a career out of this. Um, I, I think for me, it was about 
and I, I still question whether or not I'm a decent speaker. So yeah. let's, let's clarify that. <laughs> um, but for me, it was about having people lined up after the fact and the, them stating, Hey, you know what? Oh my God, you just, you just told my story. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can do this now. Um, I remember walking down the street and a student that I spoke to two years earlier was in the audience and he's like, Mr. Green, Mr. Green. And I'm turning around looking for my dad, yeah. um, you know, and he had passed a couple of years. Oh my God, dear Jesus, please. <laughs> something's wrong. Um, but he's like, you know, you spoke to my group and, and it, those moments are what I call fuel up moments yeah. where God gives us these, these little moments to say, Hey, you know what? You're on the right track. Yeah. I know you're tired. I know you're ready to give up. Here's enough fuel in your tank to get you to the next destination. Wow. Um, and that's really kind of when I started honing in and then, when I started becoming a better leader as well as a better manager and figuring out I've got a story here that can help other leaders that are going through the same experience. Let me, let me share that. So it sounds like some of the, uh, the story part is some of the, the personal stuff. I know you mentioned you were, you said you were abandoned at, at birth um, and some of maybe what you dealt with growing up and then even some of your story, as far as your experience in corporate there's plenty of people who feel like, okay, I do have some type of story. Here's something I've accomplished or achieved or something that happened to me or, uh, you know, something that has taken place in my life. But then there's also people that I was saying, like, kind of like myself who feel like I had a pretty normal, I've had a pretty normal life. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a white male from the Midwest who's like grew up in a normal middle-class family. Like I haven't, I've never broken a bone. I've never <laughs> really been sick that much and knock on wood and I'm going to get the Rona now. But like, it's just been a pretty... I wouldn't call it an easy or cushy life, but it, there's not like some, oh, wow, I, you know, I was, I, you know, uh, <laughs> I landed a plane on the Hudson or some crazy story, yeah. you know? So do you feel like that, um, that you have to have some type of story in order to be a speaker? I don't know that you necessarily have to have a story. I think it definitely helps. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. I mean, um, I have a friend who speaks and she's, she has a very powerful story and she's booking like crazy but she's been through some things, you know? The other piece is you can borrow people's stories. You can borrow their credibility. And that's part of what I did whenever I started this thing. I didn't have a name. No one knew who in the heck Jay Israel Green was. Um, So it was like, okay, how do I get into these organizations and have them trust who I am and what I'm telling them? So I borrowed credibility from John Maxwell, who I'm certified through. And I share some of his stories. And when you start drilling down and you sit down and you start mind mapping this thing out, you're going to discover that you have some stories. Mm-hmm. You just have to start thinking a little bit deeper. And it's like, oh, I remember when I was on the train and this thing happened to me. And it could be a funny story that you put in, you make a point and then you move on. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Uh, and so you are starting to make the transition from speaking to youth to speaking to corporate. Sounds like you're working in corporate at the time. Uh, how did you kind of land on who you would speak to, like even within corporate, who's hiring speakers and what you would, what you would actually talk about? Um, there was a process that I did, um, and it was from another course that I took, and it was um, the sweet spot, basically. And it, mm-hmm. I put myself in the center of this diagram, and around me I put, okay, this uh, these are things that I'm passionate about. Yep. And then I go to what are my experiences, meaning what jobs have I held, mm-hmm. positions, titles, and then I go to what are my skills, what have I learned over time, what have I been certified in, and then I start aligning where those come into play. And most of them align with three to four of my passion. And I figure out, okay, here's what I can be speaking about. I've got experience doing this. I have a skill set doing this. And I'm extremely passionate about helping emerging leaders 
Why? Because I was the emerging leader. So when I'm sitting there talking to people, I'm thinking, okay, where are they coming from? What is their experience? What do they need right now? And what are their expectations? So even as you're kind of processing that and you kind of figure out, okay, my sweet spot is I like speaking to emerging leaders and maybe you kind of landed on, you know, corporations or, or tech as the potential audience there. Um, and you're kind of thinking through, you know, how, what you could actually speak about, how are you reconciling? Here's what I'm interested in, but what is it that organizations or groups are actually hiring speakers to talk about? So like when you say, I want to speak to corporations and speak to emerging leaders within corporations, like it sounds good. And you know that there's emerging leaders that exist within corporations, but like, where do you begin? Like, where do you, where do you go from there to figure out who's actually hiring speakers to talk to emerging leaders within corporations or let alone like, uh, what, you know, what are they even talking about? Yeah. Um, one thing I do is I go to Glassdoor. I look at reviews of companies. I take a look and I will drill down to the very last review of a company if I see that there are three and below. Um, and then I will basically do, that's part of my outreach. Hey, I was out there researching. Seems like your company's done some great things. I also noticed that you're on Glassdoor and here's what I've also noticed. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's the, the details of it. You know, the proof is in the pudding. Um, would love to offer you a complimentary, you know, 45 minute lunch and learn. And then from there, that's my entry into their organization. And my ask is two things. I get to do a survey of your organization, um, the people that attended the presentation. And I also get 15 minutes of your time after the fact. And the okay. survey is a two question survey. Did you find this information useful? And would you like to see more of it? Wow. Yeah. Very cool. And so that is that been like your primary outreach strategy is Glassdoor to reach out and who are you reaching out to at the company? Like the I'm head of HR? HR leaders. Yeah. HR directors, VPs, um, depending on the size of the organization. Also, I will take a look at what's happening in society as well. Okay. Um, the climate as an example, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a huge hit for me right now. Um, so I come into organizations and I'm working on my certification as a um, certified diversity executive. So okay. I come in and I take everything that they don't understand about DEI strategy and implementation and education, and I put a program around that. It can be from three months to a year, um, and that's another way. And being able to leverage, hey, what are you talking about with your audience? What are you, you know, this is coming up. How are you addressing this with your audience? Yeah. Um, that's huge because it's relevant. It's today. And it's what people need. And the, a lot of these executives, they're not equipped to talk to their teams about these things. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps to help me to grow a seven-figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step -step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. So when you're reaching out and offering a, like a 45 minute lunch and learn, is that, is that typically done virtually even like pre COVID? Um, if it was local, I would do it in person. Um, and that was the main strategy for in person. Cause I want them to see me. I want to be in front of them if possible. Yeah. Um, but virtually if it's, um, 
you know, COVID obviously, or right. if it's an organization where they've got more than just one team locally, then they'll have people sign in. And so you're like at the moment you're you're located in in downtown Chicago, so obviously it's a big metropolitan area, so it'd be easy to to get to. So I would totally agree that like when you're meeting people in person, it makes such a huge difference of just the rapport and the connection that you're able to to have with them versus you know over Zoom or over or even just over the the phone on like a conference call type setting. You know, have you found that to be the case that like if if possible, again, I know all the all bets are off at the moment uh, given what we're in, but if possible, trying to meet people in person for that lunch and learn has, has moved the needle for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, it's night and day. It's so much difficult for people to be able to say no to you in person versus a keyboard warrior, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, we're not interested. Um, even contracts that I have out currently, if they're local and I'm telling them, you know, up to the extent of the law, I am willing to travel to you. If you feel like if you're comfortable with this and presenting several different programs to smaller audiences, just because I, I am more effective in person. For me, I hate how I look on camera. Um, and I, I'm, it, it's just a hang up that I have, but I know I need to get over it. So I'm trying to be in person. So whenever you reach out and you're offering these lunch and learns, how often are um, any rough percentage of the time that the people are A, taking you up on it and B, that that is converting to some type of long-term, you know, financial gain for you? Um, I would say about 30% if I'm, if I'm peddling heavily, okay. I'm like, I need to be 30% taking me up and okay. then maybe about a five to 10% rate of, um, Hey, yes, come in and do another workshop for us. Okay. So you've, I mean, obviously you've done the math to figure out like these are worth it for you. Cause it's a, it's a, you know, whether you are traveling there locally or, you know, you're, you're, picking up the cost of a flight to go somewhere, you figured out like, all right, it's, it's worth it enough times to, to travel or to do these that it's, it's, you know, uh, it's going to lead to some type of business. Yeah. I mean, for sure, especially locally. And then also it's like, who do you, you know, who else do you know yeah. that might benefit from this? Um, and the, the topics for my lunch and learns, they are canned. I leave maybe about 10 to 15 minutes to incorporate what their mission and their vision is that they're trying to get across. Right. Um, I get that information up front and then I incorporate it, but I do one of the canned lunch learns. So I don't have a lot of prep time on the front end that is saying, you know, I've got to prep for this five hours. I'm just, I've just lost seven hours with travel time yep. and prep time. So on the the lunch and learns, have you found that because speaking is such a relationship business that there have been times where you have given a presentation, it's gone well, they liked it, they just didn't have a need maybe at the moment, but perhaps, you know, six months, a year, maybe, a, you know, two years later, they came back and followed up with you or they, you got a referral from them. Have you found that, that, like I can point to, you know, a couple different lunch and learns that I've done over the years that have led to multiple engagements or multiple bookings. Has that been the case? Absolutely. Um, and it may be later that year. It could be a year and a half down the road. Yeah. Um, but now I'm getting phone calls and it's like, hey, you did a presentation for this organization. Right. They referred you over here. Um, you know, what do you think? And, and there's a component of, of integrity for me that goes with it, especially with this DE&I component that I'm doing now. If a company just wants to hire me to come in and do a, a workshop on diversity and that's them checking a box, I will not do that. You know, and I have that conversation with them up front because it's like, why, why are you having me coming in? What, what's the problem that you're trying to solve for? What's, yeah. what's driving this? And then once they start talking and I ask them a couple more questions, I find that they're just trying to check a box for a 45 minute workshop or two hour workshop. 
and they just want to say, hey, now we're diverse. And it's like, okay, it, it doesn't work that way, you know? Right. So how have you, how do you kind of navigate that as far as um, there are opportunities like that where maybe like it pays well, they just need to do, they need you to come to a workshop uh, and you get it, you, you want to eat and live indoors. And so they're going to, they're going to give you money that's going to allow you to keep doing that. But at the same time, like you want to do something that is going to lead to some type of, of change within their organization and company. Uh, so how do you kind of balance the, I want to help, I want to serve, but I also, I, I want to, I need to make a living from this. It's a great question. Um, I think for me, it really is on the topic. Um, so there are some leadership development workshops that I have. Um, and I, and I do have the conversation of giving these organizations two or three options when I'm presenting a proposal. So yeah. I do a, a very low entry level, medium and a high. Yeah. And the high is where I would highly recommend that they, they go to. But part of it is understanding kind of what their needs are and really what's driving. And if I can't address the problem, I will say, look, this isn't for me. Um, but if it's just a one-off workshop and they just need some leadership development for this team of leaders that are coming in, that's a no-brainer for me. Yeah. Absolutely do that. Because those lunch, and like we kind of touched on, like so much of, of the speaking industry is a relationship business and relationships take time and relationships can, um, you, know, you may plant a bunch of seeds that you, you don't see any activity, right? It doesn't mean nothing's happening. The sun's shining, you're watering them. That doesn't mean anything's, nothing's happening below the surface. Could be a ton of stuff, but you're just not seeing it. So especially early on as you're like, I'm going to give this glass door outreach and, and offer some lunch and learns and I'm going to give it a shot. And maybe the first couple don't, let's say they don't convert. They don't lead to anything. You know, you, you try to balance like, is this working? Is this not working? Like, I don't want to spin my wheels and I don't want to waste my time. So how are you kind of thinking through, like, how are you not getting discouraged early on as you're trying to build some momentum? Um, I do get discouraged. Um, so it's not Still that today. I oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's frustrating. And you know, the biggest pieces I may jump on, I've got a process that I use, um, and a system that I apply and I'm big on systems and big on processes. Um, and one of the things is I'm out looking at other, other speakers constantly, just checking them out what their styles are and things of that nature. But at the same time, I also try to walk the walk of what I'm teaching and I understand that there are, you know, certain laws that my life are going to guide, I guess, guide towards in a way, such as law of priorities. Um, I know that not, not all activity is, is positive activity or leads to, you know, leads to something major. Also, if there's a law of momentum, if I'm basically doing enough, it's going to come. So I just have to really put things in perspective. And when I sit back and I haven't gotten a call back on 20 reach outs, I'm like, okay, 20 isn't a whole lot. You know, I, I look out my window and I count the windows in each of these buildings. Really? And I'm like, each one of those is an opportunity. Have you reached out to, either, to every single window in that building? Yeah. And if the answer is no, it's like, okay, suck it up and keep going. Yeah. That's cool. I know people that listen to the podcast can't see it. So you're in downtown Chicago and, and they, you're in a, a high rise building. So I can see behind you. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of windows um, yeah. at these like, you know, uh, massive buildings there downtown. So, uh, so I'm curious, like in the process of your journey, at some point you, you came across, uh, came across the speaker lab. How, how did you first come across us? Um, I can't remember what I was looking for. And I, it may have been around the same time that I was doing the John Maxwell program. Yeah. And I was looking for something to add credibility, something that I knew nothing about speaking as a profession. Yeah. So I needed some sort of a foundation. Um, I didn't have a lot of money at the time. It was priced right for me. 
And I'm like, hey, you know, this cat seems pretty cool. I've watched him speak. Um, seems like he knows what he's talking about. Um, and I jumped in and it was a game changer. How so? It, really um, it really gave me a good foundation in terms of what I need to be doing. It put things in perspective. Um, templates were huge for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the outreach and it's, and it's funny because I'm, you know, I'm in the, in the um, Facebook group and I see some people where they jump in and they think that this is a get rich quick program. Mm-hmm. They're going to jump in and as soon as they sign up, all of a sudden the heavens are going to open and these speaking engagements are going to fall out of the sky. And I see them asking questions that I know, okay, well, this is in module two. So you haven't even read module two yet. You just want someone to give you the answers. Um, so having those answers is huge going through the process. And I'm even opened up the book earlier today and I ordered it for a friend. I mean, he's looking for a course. He couldn't afford, um, one of the courses. And he's like, I'm like, you know what? Start here. You're going to find a lot of value in this book alone. And it gives you all the instruments that you need to at least have a strong foundation. And then you build from there. And that's what Speaker Lab did for me. Yeah. Including the network. Totally. How so with the network? I'm curious. Um, the network has brought in probably about twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars worth of business for me. Really? Where people have said, "Hey, you know what, Israel? I'm busy on this engagement. Can you go speak here?" Um, or Israel, do you want to partner on this engagement? Um, so now, as a result of that, I'm partnering with other people. Um, they're referring engagements over to me. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a beautiful thing, you know. People that you, other speakers that you've met inside the Speaker Lab community. Yep. That's really cool. I wasn't even aware of that. That's awesome, man. Uh, so I'm curious, like for, for some speakers who, who feel like speaking has the potential to be a, a get rich quick scheme. And we don't, um, we don't perpetuate that at all. Like we make sure people are clear, like, and you got to bust your butt. Like this is hard work. Like you can absolutely be successful. You're, you're a great example of that, but it does require work and it, it is a long-term game. It's not like a, you know, you, you, you're going to, you know, become a, a full-time speaker overnight. Like for most speakers, it takes oftentimes a couple of years um, to get to that point. And it just takes time. So for speakers who are going, I want to do this, I think I can do this, but yeah, it is a lot of work. Like how do you not get discouraged? Why do you not quit? What do you, what keeps you moving forward in, in your own speaking business? For me, I, I am treating it like it is a business. I think that's one of the big mistakes that we make as speakers. We come in and it's so easy to be haphazard with this thing. You make a couple of phone calls, you might get a hit. And it's like, holy crap, I'm on stage. I just got paid $2,000 to speak for 30 minutes. This is yep. great. Yep. Um, but this is a business and you have to wake up day in, day out and treat it as such. And just like if you were in corporate, you're not going to be able to roll out of bed at 1030, go walk to the farmer's market for a couple of hours, come home, eat a snack, and then jump online and make five phone calls and call it a day. You would get fired for that. Yeah. So making sure that you treat it as a business. And I, I have those moments where, um, like I said, the guy walking down the street, those are a fuel up moments for me. Um, whenever I do get a big engagement, um, you know, and reinvesting in myself and making sure that I have a process that I can strictly say I am adhering to this process. And as a result, here is the outcome. Yeah. And I think this is really where people get hung up on. They just don't have a process or treat it like a business. Um, and they struggle with identifying the value in themselves and being able to communicate that value effectively to whomever they're talking to. Yeah. Very well said. You, you kind of touched on there that you know, one of the best things that any speaker could do would be to just treat it like a business. And that's, that's so true that it's, you know, it's easy to, like you said, go do a gig and you're like, Oh, that was fun. I want to do more of that. But that's like, that's the, the, 
the part that so many of us, we enjoy, we love as being on stage, or like you said, you finish speaking and there's a line of people that want to talk to you. Like that's fun. But like speaking is such a small part of being a speaker. Like it's such a small percentage of your time, you know, it's the smallest percentage of the time I would say, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, cause it really is, you know, when you wake up, is it, are you prospecting? Are you marketing? Are you writing? Are you researching all of these things that go into your day? And it may only be 30 minutes. And I usually do my research at nighttime, whenever I'm getting into bed, I'll watch a slew of speakers and I'm like, okay, what are their topics? What's their style? What's their cadence? What's their rhythm? All these different things. And I make sure that every single day I am watching speakers, not to compare myself to them, but to learn things from them. Um, the other piece I think that we really don't do is just making sure that we convey our worth and understanding what we're trying to do, you know, our brand. Um, and this is something that I struggled with just recently. I'm like, I need to rename my company. And I've got two segments. I've got a business to consumer segment and I've got a business to be a B2B segment. Mm -hmm. And I don't like just having Israel green and lead you Academy, which is the B2C. It sounds more consumer. And as I started writing bigger contracts and proposals, that are out there for like 50, $75,000. I'm like, you know, lead you Academy sounds consumerish. And I was talking to a friend and I'm like, you know, I want to name like Anderson consulting. I want to name like the John Maxwell company. Sure, and sure. she's like, is those are, those are their names. She's, and I'm like, Oh wait, that's a good point. Israel green consulting. You know, it's not, you know, at that level now, but it will be. Right, but you right, got to right. keep making sure that you're branding yourself as such and putting in that investment back into the business. Yeah, it's so true that every, we tell speakers all the time, like everybody starts from zero. Anybody you look up to, you admire, you respect, like I promise you, there's a time where they had none gigs and then they had their first gig. And there's a time like, you know, the, the whatever you're quoting today for speaking gigs or for consulting gigs. And that actually, do you mind me asking like, well, on an average consulting gig or an average speaking gig, what, what are you typically charging? Are you, are you comfortable yeah. sharing any of that? Absolutely. That's fine. Um, so for a half a day workshop, I'm at about 4,500 that okay. I'm quoting. Um, a full day will go anywhere between eight to 10 K. Okay. Um, once again, it also depends on what the topic is, mm -hmm. where it is. I mean, if you are like, Hey, go to Hawaii and it's like, we can't afford eight to 10 K for the day. And, but you can't afford to get me out there. I'm probably going to be in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, the consulting engagements are, are much larger. Those are ranging anywhere between 20 to $75,000. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. And, the, and that's not, you know, it's not saying the 75 K is signed, but that's what I'm quoting as proposal. Mm -hmm. And that is over a six month to a 12 month period. And it's, it's a lot of hours, you know, in those months. And so there would have been a time though, that someone said, Oh no, man, you can quote, you know, uh, or do 50, $75,000 consulting contracts. And you're like, no, I can't like, that's not a thing. So how have you mentally overcome that over, over time? The funniest thing is when I was in corporate, I would peddle their product and I would do so in a way it's like, yeah, you know what? For a month of service, it's going to be $15,000 sign here, press hard, bottom copy yours. And here's what you're going to get. And I would do it with such conviction. And then when it came to offer my own services, it was like, well, you know, I, I normally would charge. Um, I mean, it's usually around 4,500 and you're like, who would buy that from you? Right, right. So part of it is believing in yourself and understanding the value that's there and having enough of these engagements to say, okay, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. I've got the degrees. I've got the certifications. I've got the, the experiences that come with it. Um, and putting it out there. And they're going to let you know if they can or can't afford it. And it's like, we can have a conversation around this. 
However, this is the value that I'm bringing to the table right now for you. This is the problem that I'm solving for. And this is what you demonstrated as your need. Yeah. Very cool. Israel, this has been super fun, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am on, um, what am I on? I got a website. Um, <laughs> that is israelgreen.com. Um, I am also on Facebook and LinkedIn as J Israel Green. Awesome, man. We appreciate it. This is fun. Thank you so much. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.